I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Hello and welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Today's episode is actually really fascinating. I am so excited to share this woman's magic with you. She connected with me, which I get a lot now, two and a half years in, and gosh, the downloads have quadrupled, wouldn't even be, I can't even explain how amazing to see these people are actually listening to Uncover Your Magic. Gosh, we're almost in the 130s. I haven't missed a week. And I get this email from this woman, Ginny Jablonski from Arizona. And I start reading about her. You know, I go down deep in my little research and think, oh, she'd be perfect for Uncover Your Magic. No wonder she reached out. So I was getting ready this week and I was listening to podcasts. I always listen to podcasts that they've been on. And then I went on her website and always do that. And she has these YouTube videos. And all of a sudden I thought this woman is not just about near-death experiences and an animal whisper. She is speaking our language to a degree of authenticity. It came so late in her life. She was, you know, it's just, I cannot wait for you to meet her. This is what her bio, it's a little excerpt. It says, Jenny Jablonski's primary focus is to promote the evolution of interspecies consciousness and help humans and animals understand how prior trauma is affecting their relationships. She is a human and animal soul whisperer, horse medicine facilitator, author, inspirational speaker, and opioid crisis awareness advocate. There is so much more to her. She is you know, everything she knows, she's studied and learned on her own. It's all coming from her message and her journey is beautiful and where she's, I mean, I can just imagine the next part of her life where it's going, but I'm excited for you to meet her. And as always get on my website to sign up for my monthly free calls. And I'm going to ask this woman, Jenny, to come on and so we can ask her questions. I know you will love that. I am also having the wait list for Raising Confidence and the Magic Path. Those are open and I'm in the middle right now of my session with my, both of the classes filled up this session and which makes me excited. And these women and these kids are blowing my mind and they're so into it and they're putting all their heart and soul into learning my little mindset tools that I teach them, that little, big, life-changing. Anyway, that's going on now, but I am having a wait list. And I see how when I do get a wait list and it starts to fill up, 
once it starts again, I wouldn't wait is my point. And what else? I was just on Jackie Seiden's podcast, The Evolution Pod Club. Go check that out. It was so fun to have a conversation with her. She was on my podcast a few months back and she asked me to be on hers. So check that out. And we're just in full swing at school and both girls are doing the crew team, which is fun. It's finally cool down here and hoping to feel the fall weather start to come in. But anyway, I just wanted to thank you all for coming and listening every week. And you are going to love this woman. I promise you will be going <laughs> down this deep dive like I did. So without further ado, please welcome this beautiful soul, Ginny Jablonski. Welcome, Ginny. Thank you, Ashley. It's wonderful to be with you today. And if there's any noise, it's storming pretty heavily here. So please forgive any background noise. Yeah. So Ginny's in Arizona, the monsoon season. The girls and I, they have pageants and we went there two years ago and had every, the flood, the lightning. I've never seen anything like it. And it was in July. I'm like, what is going on? So we did experience the monsoons. Anyway, so before I hit record with Jenny, I was telling her that you guys are going to be all into Jenny <laughs> because when she reached out to me, I was reading about her and she's had three near death experiences. And I know we all, that's super fascinating and it's fascinating to hear, see the parallels along with other people that I've interviewed and she can talk to the animals and plants and trees. I mean, she's like the animal whisperer. So that caught my attention. Then <laughs> I start going down the rabbit hole. I know I said that too much, but of her talks on her website and her website is heartofthehorse.us. And she has these YouTube videos with Danny, this woman and Danny Henderson. And that's where I just lit up. <laughs> so I want you, Jenny, to explain of course I want you to brush over your amazing where we're going to uncover where you uncovered your magic with these near-death experiences and how you came to this place I mean your background up until what 1990 2000 was just you know it was nothing like where you are now so right. like, take us take us where you want to start and, and uncover your beautiful magic well, thank you so much. I've told the story maybe 50 or 60 times. So there's a lot of resources there. I'll just briefly share because you and I both have a lot of other interests. Yes. I was a diplomatic protection agent. I worked for a company based in Fairfax, Virginia, that was owned by the son-in-law of former President Gerald Ford. And so I was in international security. It was a high threat environment. I was under a lot of stress and three years of training and then three years of service in the field. And I became ill for unknown reasons. It turned out 15 years later, I found out it, I had Lyme disease and a few other things, but it was uh, very painful. And after a couple of years, I had to medically retire in 2001. The doctors tried to figure out what was wrong with me. All I wanted was to go back to work. I loved the travel and the excitement and sort of exercising and feeling important was a, a big deal right. for me. 
So seven years later, after I retired, the doctor handed me a fentanyl lollipop and said, this is your only hope. And about five years later, I had a near-death experience from the fentanyl, from being on the fentanyl for four or five years. So after I woke up from that near-death experience, that's the one that uncovered the magic or brought the magic forward. And I woke up and I could perceive multidimensionally. Of course, I had no context whatsoever or even knew that word or, or the right. word spirituality or chakra or, you know, meridian. <laughs> I had never heard subtle bodies, light body. What's that? You know, and talking to trees, talking to animals, talking to dead people, oh, you know, wow. hearing people's thoughts and hearing the trauma trapped within people's nervous system. That was pretty fascinating. Wow. So it was a lot of voices. It was a lot of hearing very clear audience, very clear cognizant as well. The knowing, clear sentient, the feeling, empathic. Yeah, I had that down. <laughs> you know, I could pretty much feel everything, people's pain, people's emotions. In fact, I just got home from the grocery store and I said to my husband, I think I brought some sadness home with me, huh. you know. So it's definitely something I still manage on a daily basis, but I've learned to uncover the reasons why those experiences happened over years, you know, years and, and not just a few weekends a year, like every single day, hours, every day, paying money, hand over fist to talk to people, to talk to psychics, alternative medical practitioners, uh, you know, anybody that would talk to me, taking classes, traveling. And the most profound shift for me was when I went to Australia and worked with an Aboriginal woman that I just stumbled on by not happen chance. I'm sure it was some sort of synchronicity. Um, I had been on a journey for two years after my near-death experience, and I kept being called to go to Australia. I just felt that that was the first place on earth I ever incarnated in. I really needed to go there. And I had to lay on the ground right at Uluru Airs Rock. I took a oh. towel from the the hostel where I was staying. And I just laid on the earth and had a pretty remarkable experience. And right after then, I was contacted by an Aboriginal woman through a friend. And that was the most revelatory conversation I had had in the two years since my near-death experience. And that really informed my journey and my trajectory after that. But that's pretty much how it all started. And because I had all of this knowing, but I really didn't know anything because I didn't understand anything at all. You know, I was hearing things and I was seeing things and I was feeling things but I had no context. I had no idea of the symbolism or the metaphor or what religion the perspective belonged to or, you know, right. whose energetic perspective that was. Was it indigenous? Was it Vedic? Was it Tibetan Buddhist? Was it Shinto, you know, Taoist or what have you? So it took me a while to study and get my feet wet in a lot of different philosophies so that I could sort of have a, I want to say 360 degree view, but if I do, there's a lot of holes in that 360 degree view to be sure. But I think a well-rounded, at least for a layman, you know, for a complete newbie <laughs> understanding of what was happening to me. And then after that, 
my intersubjectivity, my ability. So we all have an objective reality, right? Every, you know, sort of objective reality is we live in this city, you know, you're a Democrat or a Republican, you're this religion or that religion. And then our subjective reality is what do we believe? The rightness or the wrongness of it, you know, our life experience, how we perceive the world. And then intersubjectivity is something somehow my soul gifted me, which is the ability to hold space, unconditionally loving and support and validate everybody's subjective reality, no matter what it was and whether or not it even conflicted with mine. And so that's what gets me really excited. And I think one of the things that gets you excited is talking about the energetic constructs and consciousness and how we got to this place and how we can heal ourselves. And that's the part of these interviews that really gets me going. Yes, for sure. So when I hear all the things that we could talk about, let's start with, I told you I was just interviewing Elizabeth April a few days ago and we were talking about where we're going. Like she, in 2012, she had the abduction of the the alien. And it just like, I said, what has been, where are we going? You keep talking about this awakening and all the, you know, this, where this planet, our souls, I want you to talk about the jelly bean jar. And that's a great way to just have people understand. But I want to hear your take on where this world is going Mm. or planet. Well, nobody's ever channeled that information to me. I always tell people, look, I wake up every morning and put my socks on like everybody else. And I pick up my phone and I look at my calendar. Right. And, And my soul really, I mean, I get information like it's going to be more magnificent than you can ever imagine. Just please be patient. And I do have some visions. I have visions of a shift. I have visions of a sense of the perspective that we might experience three days of darkness. Now, however, that comes about a pole shift, the coronal mass ejection, you know, a solar flare, whatever that looks like. Some people believe that it's going to take five generations or more for belief systems and religion and spirituality to, and science for that matter, to sort of coalesce. And some people believe that it's going to be a little more uh, rapid. You know, I just, I don't have a sense of that. I have more a sense every day of the one soul who's sitting with me, talking to me, or the one client, you know, that's human or animal. And that's where my soul gets excited. That's my greatest passion. My greatest excitement is working with that. I call it sort of vertical alignment within our soul lineage. And that's where I came up with the idea of the jelly bean jar to explain the the Hindu perspective of the monad to people, which was brought to me in the context of oversoul. And there are a lot of theories about that too. And make no mistake, I've met a lot of people on my journey, quantum physicists, mathematicians, and I know so many lovely people who have wonderful hearts and they're so educated that it's hard for them to perceive a lot of the way I perceive, which is a very feminine, creative personification of consciousness perspective, which includes Mm -hmm. the luminous architecture, you know, our energetic construct. And I have friends who just don't even believe that there is a such thing as energy. 
I've heard, quote unquote, energy does not exist. There is only motion. Wow. Right. So, okay. And so from a science perspective or, you know, but it's not necessarily every science person, but I've been told chakras are simply a metaphor for the nervous system. And, you know, I can see that because there are people who in the last four decades, I wish I had the two names. One is Hammeroff, a Dr. Hammeroff, who was a anesthesiologist, and he had the experience and the curiosity about what happens to people when they're anesthetized and do they leave their body? Does the soul leave the body? And so he did research for years on that and the nervous system. And he came to believe and understand that the nervous system is how the soul comes into the body. But the reason I'm sharing this is the most fascinating thing that helped to validate my entire journey is they used, I don't want to say electron microscope because I think that would have been too powerful, but high powered microscopes to look at the nervous system, the architecture of the nervous system. And if you look up this research, you will find that he identified something that he called microtubules, which are like little filaments along the nervous system. And within the filaments are tiny crystalline structures. And I have full body chills telling you this, Ashley, because this validates all the voices I was hearing. And I would walk around and I never heard anything about trauma. I never listened to Dr. Gabor Matei talk or Peter Levine or Bessel van der Kolk or Stephen Porges. I didn't know about any of these people. I didn't know about family constellation work or, you know, any alternative psychology whatsoever. But I was hearing the trauma trapped in people's nervous systems. I would have visions of the traumatic events that their mind had not yet processed that were being stored in the body. And nobody believed me. Well, very few people believed me anyway. But when I saw that and I was attending a lecture by a quantum physicist on what is consciousness and this research by Hammeroff came up demonstrating that there are these nanoparticulates of crystalline structure within the microtubules, within the nervous system. I was like, yes, yes, that's exactly, yes. Those are the little computer chips that are holding all the memories in the body. And yes, 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 I'm not crazy, you know. So So you're you're listening. That's what you're hearing. You're hearing that. I'm hearing it. I'm seeing it. I'm feeling it. I'm sensing it. You know, now I do it much more ethically because I can control my gifts and I have my my little intentions that I say every day and before every client. And and like, Ashley, I don't know anything about you. I'm not what I, I cannot perceive your energy right now. You look like a human being with blonde hair. I'm not perceiving anything or knowing your dark secrets or what have you. Whereas when I first had my near-death experience, I'd be like, that guy's cheating on his wife. That woman's going to oh quit her job. You know, I just knew, 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 knew stuff. And it was, I'm like, I this doesn't feel good, you know, to know all this stuff. So I went on a journey to learn how to employ these traits ethically and create boundaries. But what a lot of people don't understand is, A, there's no protection from yourself. So people think you can protect, protect, protect. And that's not true because any wound inside of us, any resistance, any matching picture we have with somebody else, that lets stuff in. And that's just the way it is. If you can absolutely protect yourself, no matter what, you're probably some sort of ancient witch or something, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Um, we really cannot be protected from ourselves. Sometimes 
when we are taking on other things from other people and we're trying to regulate our that clairs, which I see at least eight of them, you know, clairsentience, claircognizance, clairvoyance, clairaudience, claircognizance, you know, there are so many. Sometimes our consciousness itself is fractured and it's not just as simple as an eternal child or an orphan child or a wounded child or a magical child, you know, we can have a fractured self, a fractured personality construct at any age of our experience. And those parts of our consciousness, which people liken to the consciousness of our auric field itself, our luminous architecture, can be making decisions when we are not whole. So when we're fractured or we have a dissociated part of us or a wounded part of us, it can run around behind the scenes making decisions energetically. And one of the most well-known decisions that is made without our understanding, our conscious understanding and our conscious permission is giving away our energy, our light, or taking on other people's suffering, whether it be martyr, sacrifice, believing that, you know, if we constantly stoke other people's fire, eventually it will warm us, you know, in the hope that if we are strong enough and support enough people, we will see some of that in return, you know, and none of which is true, (laughs) of course. Right. So, yeah, I was able to see all of that. It's just so incredibly fast. And so now you can control, now you've figured out, you know, how to control that with your everyday life. I mean, I think of you and your husband, I mean, you've been married for how many years and he's seen you transform and how do you have a relationship now? He sounds amazing. I mean, you, all you do is praise him, but you know, that your, your evolution and your, everything that you've learned in the last, what, 20, 22 years or so. Yeah. Well, uh, we've been married for 27 ish years. And um, in the beginning, he just thought I was crazy. You're hearing voices, you're crazy, but I love you. So go do what you got to do. I'm just going to sit here and work and pay the bills, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But what happened eventually, and, you know, we've gone out to dinner with people or friends and or if I'm on the the phone with someone, speakerphone with someone, and they'll say, oh, is your husband in the room? Let me ask him a question. (laughs) You know, what do you think about all this? How do you feel about this? Especially people that were maybe once skeptic or still skeptical, which is fine. And he will say, you know, hey, I used to think she was one taco short of a combination plate. But (laughs) a lot of my work I did on speakerphone for years in the beginning when I was just helping anybody that I talked to for free, just just to have somebody to talk to about this stuff. And, And it was fascinating. And I was so curious to just go down all these rabbit oh, holes. But he said, I've heard too much feedback from people on the phone. You know, she talks on the phone. She's on the speakerphone all day. And I hear the people say, my dog changed, my cat changed, my horse changed, I changed, my husband and I, you know, things are getting better. Wow. And he said, it's undeniable. You just can't dismiss all of these other people. Right. You know, the placebo effect here is not at play. This is legitimate She's bringing legitimately helpful information forward and it's changing people's lives. Wow. And will you talk about the animals? I try to get everything, how that started. Cause okay, here I am at this. I've always had dogs and I, after listening to your dogs and how you said there's, is it Daisy? That was a dolphin Daisy, has a dolphin yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. And then Frankie 
you had him come to you in a dream or something, mm-hmm. but you, it's about the horses too. explain how in the plants, how do you go through life? And you, I mean, I can't imagine going to the zoo or <laughs> through, a, through a forest and having the voices talk to you. Well, again, I have boundaries now. And I think maybe the key point that I didn't sort of button up that previous conversation about the boundaries is it's you can't just erect boundaries one day. If anybody says you can, they're taking their money and you're, you know, they're blowing smoke up your skirt. It's just not true. We have to find the resistance to ethical boundaries and a balanced way of being within us. And it's usually judgment, fear or emotion that creates the imbalance. So for me, I, for the most part, have that now. But every once in a while, I step, I sort of trip over a rock that I didn't see coming, whether it's a, a new client and I never worked with that soul lineage before or what have you. Now, working with the animals was never my idea. My husband and I had horses. We've owned 20 horses and donkeys mostly horses. We've owned five donkeys and we've had dogs our whole, we've always been sort of animal people. And prior to my near death, we've had several horses, but on my journey, all I ever intended was to understand what was happening to me and heal myself and get a life again. Some, you know, I thought I'd go get a job or be an accountant or, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not kidding. You know, because I used to write grants After I retired, you know, from security, because I majored in economics and I had a background in understanding business. So I thought, you know, I'd go volunteer at the YMCA and write their grants or (laughs) whatever that looked like. (laughs) And I just wanted to heal myself. And yes, I could talk. I could hear them and stuff. And it was kind of, it was always a curiosity or something interesting when you would go to a four-day retreat or a one-week retreat. And I'm like, oh, the aunt just said a message. And it was was a novelty to me. I didn't realize it was an entire industry, a very sort of circle the wagons and shoot each other industry, if you ask me, because nobody can, you know, agree on what is animal communication. They all made it up themselves and they're right and everybody else is wrong. And it's quite frankly, not a lot of fun sort of trying to navigate in that community. So I never would have volunteered, never would have volunteered. I was working with people and I didn't even want to do that. All the healers that I was working with were saying, you're healing me. You're giving me so much information. I'm not going to charge you for your session. I think I have a client you can help. And I did have a lot of um, referrals from some really interesting stuff, very esoteric, you know, sort of mind bending past life stuff that was um, really remarkable. And I enjoyed it. And I just loved it so much. Within months, I was on the phone like 12 hours a day, 10 to 12 hours a day. I had clients all over the world in easily a dozen or 15 or 16 countries. And it was getting a little bit out of hand. But as that happened, people's animals started coming in. And I would say, well, there's a white cat in your energy field. Do you have a white cat? No, but my girlfriend did and it died. Well, the cat's telling me that you're pretty much a jerk and it's not leaving your energy field until you apologize for being so mean to it. And he's like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) You know, and um, or one woman, I said, do you have a a horse that is alive, but they're blind in one eye? Your horse wants to talk to you. And then so they'll have a conversation or 
a pet from when they were younger or a neighborhood animal. And they would either bring beautiful messages forward or ask for healing or offer something for their former owners, the human. A lot of times seeking resolution at the soul level, which happens to be kind of one of my specialties, I guess. You know, we all have a lane. I don't claim to do everything or know everything, but I have a really interesting lane. And so those types of clients come to me, people that can't manage their energy field, people that have attachments or entanglements with other lifetimes and, you know, interesting stuff like that. So I didn't think that was good or entertaining or productive for me. I thought it was, it was bothering me. I thought it was getting in the way. So one day I meditated and I'm like, okay, whoever my team is, you know, right? what's going on with all these animals? You know, it's really bothering me. You need to tell these animals they're bothering me. Go away. (laughs) (laughs) Help people. You know, this is really important stuff here. And this giant horse appeared in my room who is a part of the soul family of horse who is, I guess, on some sort of soul council. I don't know how the universe works, but that's how it's revealed to me. 13 horses on a soul council. And she says, oh, you don't remember. And I'm like, firstly, you're really big. (laughs) No, remember what? And she said, we brought you back from your near-death experience. We are the ones that guided you on your rather circuitous, but very educational journey to overcoming your own trauma and abuse and understanding, you know, the chakra system, the meridian system, the nervous system, subconscious, conscious, subtle bodies, light bodies. We did that. We guided you. And now it's time for you to do something for us. And I was like, Yeah, I don't remember that. I I just, I don't. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? And she said, we need you to take everything you learned on your journey about human healing and human consciousness and apply it to the animals. Because far too few people in the animal communication and sweet medicine, uh, you know, indigenous perspective of animal medicine, animal wisdom, are either elevating animals to a place of all animals are wise and they're just here to help humans and they're here to, you know, support humanity in its evolution or, and there are others who just don't even believe that animals can be traumatized Hmm. and that have, are having issues or some of them are having past life issues because there are souls that have chosen to individuate away from the collective consciousness. So in that moment, I got this huge sort of knowing, and there was all this information in my field. And then every time I worked with an animal after then, it was like, it was like little index cards in my field. Oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. I know what that is. I, I know who to talk to about that. And it's so fascinating because I've never advertised. I've never advertised. And I will have people call me and say, I live in Australia or I live in Canada and I've never had a session with a psychic before, but my dog told me one day to research near-death experiences. So I got on the internet and when your picture came on the screen, they barked and said, that's the lady you have to talk to. So I don't know why I'm on the phone with you. And sometimes it's the lady and sometimes it's the dog. And one little sort of French bulldog 
was an elephant in a past life and needed resolution for his past life as an elephant. And this council of elephants came and took me on this journey to Africa. <laughs> where I, I, you know, and I'm in there, I'm in Africa with this sort of African shaman. And I guess I must've been in that tribe at that time. And I'm standing there around a grave and, and the end elephants. And then, I mean, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. Wow. I have probably 150 stories like that. I could tell you, and I had no context for it, but the knowing, the clear cognizance, the universal wisdom, my soul experience, what comes through me in an absolute knowing is remarkable and impresses even me. And I, <laughs> it's, I'm not kidding. And and I wow. get off the phone sometimes and I just cry. I'll just go in my husband's office and I just fall to my knees or one day I remember just going into the kitchen. Oh. You know, because on my journey, I just prayed every day, please allow all this suffering to mean something. You know, please allow everything that I've experienced to help other people's journey be easier. I mean, I've had... 65-year-old men from Norway pay for a session with me just because they want to sit on the phone and share space with someone who remembers at that soul level. Wow. You know, I've had other older men call me and say, I have an absent, my life has been devoid of unconditional love and I don't know what to do. And I know I'm going to pass away soon, you know, and um, it's just amazing. And And I was just saying that I went into the kitchen one day and I just thought, if I knew how hard my journey would be, how long I would be away from home, how much of my husband's life savings I would, like, I never would have done it, never would have made the choice. But now in hindsight, the difference it makes in the individual people's lives and how they feel their soul touch them. And they understand the choices that their soul made in coming here and healing or lifting some of that trauma from the heart. I apologize. (laughs) Lifting the trauma from the heart so that they can actually hear their own higher self there. You know, how many people can't because it's so hard. It was hard for me to see. You don't just wake up one day. Most of us don't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to make a different choice. I'm going to have a different perspective today. And then turn in your third eye 180 degrees and see what you never could see. It doesn't happen to most people, right? Right. And so that's the gift that my higher self working with another person's higher self is given. It is that the person might think they have a list of five things they need to talk about. I'm like, but that's not what your soul wants you to know. Because if you know this one thing that your soul needs you to know, or two things, to be fair, those five things will cease to exist in your reality. But you have to look at what's under it. What is at the soul level? What was a soul choice? You know, and so sometimes just witnessing that, I just, I think I know if I went back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. But now in hindsight, I couldn't imagine the magnificent feeling, the love that comes through, the energy, the perspective, the um, so much of what we are as humans, what makes us human 
is not talked about. Whether it's our energetic, you know, our, our personality selves, our mental consciousness, our, our masculine, our feminine, our child, our physical body, whatever that is, it's not discussed enough. And even in some beautiful religions or spiritual philosophies, our ability to activate our DNA and use our psychic senses is really downplayed and oftentimes discouraged. Mm-hmm. And my sense, Ashley, about that is, Thousands of years ago, there weren't a lot of energies on the planet that were not controlling. And so we weren't encouraged to look in the closet where all the answers were. We were encouraged to sort of pile stuff up in front of that closet. And for me, in my vision, in my pineal gland, it's like this white hallway with all these doors and and all this wisdom from the different levels of my soul in the jelly bean jar. And we'll talk about that if you still want to. And I had a yes. store that was just like purple silly string. Remember when we were kids, silly string? Yes. It was like totally. purple silly string. And every time I told somebody, a healer in a journey, well, no, I think I'm supposed to, no, no, don't pay attention to that, you know. And it was that part of them, the part of us that is afraid. As a human, it's in our DNA. It's in our soul memory. We tried that before and it didn't work out well for us. Don't stand in your power. Be afraid of your power. Be afraid of life. Be afraid of death, whatever that looks like. And one day I just said, I'm going in that damn room. I don't care what anybody says. And then (laughs) that's where the answers were, you know, and that sense of confidence, that sense of certainty, that's what our souls bring us. And it is unmistakable when you reconnect with that. Does that make sense? So how do you connect with Like if you were going to have a session with me, how do you connect with my soul? How does that work? So firstly, I I say like an intention prayer at the beginning. And that is that if you or I are going to trigger one another or we have any past lives, I get, we get that cleared up before the session. I say that I want to be ethical, that I will not violate someone's free will, that I will be the most clear messenger that I can. And if for whatever reason I miss something that's important to your higher self, it'll be done you know, creator, oversoul, whomever. And so I say before every client, a really strong intention where I set up my loving intention for that person. That person paid me a lot of money to do this work. And I want to make sure that their soul is happy with what we do. Then the way I work is I know nothing. I bring nothing to the table. I listen. I will tell you what your soul, what your energy field, what your body wants you to know. So I will only perceive, these are all the limits I have on my abilities. I will only perceive about you what your energy field knows is a priority for you. And you might think there's, you know, five or six issues in your life, but one or two underlying things, whether it be a past life or a soul choice in your soul agreement or some type of energetic, like unprocessed memory or judgment or unforgiveness that is preventing a host of other things from clearing or releasing. And that's how I work. So I will say, so your energy field is telling me that in your mental body or your third chakra or your fourth chakra or whatever, you're holding on to X, Y, Z, and that it's manifesting as this experience in your life. 
have you, does this resonate with you? Yes. Never had anybody say no. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. So what would you like to do about it? Are you ready to let it go? Yes. Okay. Put your hand on your heart. Ask your higher self. Come on in. Is it time to let this go? Some people are in archetypal program. Some people need to know what their soul choices are so that in your conscious free will, you can say, I'm done with that original soul agreement I came in with 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Let's work on a new soul agreement to bring in prosperity and abundance and health and wholeness and understanding and compassion and, you know, all of the things that everybody talks about, but most people don't emulate, you know, because they're still working on their old soul agreement from when they were born, you know? So they would keep working on that. So if they didn't meet you, this they would finish this life and die and then come back again and keep working on that soul agreement. Well, I can't say that. I mean, maybe somebody else will help them with that or maybe they'll work it out in a dream. But certainly up until the time they met me, they weren't able to, you know, figure that out. And I find that a lot of people that come to me are from the future like me. I'm definitely a soul from the future. And there's about 250 million of us and probably the people listening to your podcast, you know, are souls like us who came back at great risk to ourselves to be here at this time on the planet to hold the light. And a lot of us, our lives are very chaotic dumpster fires because our frequency is such that when we were born, they knew who we were, you know? So that makes it kind of difficult for some of us. A lot of amazing souls. I mean, I've seen people who are embodying like a crystalline angel type soul, you know, and I'm like, let me pick myself up off the floor because I've never seen anything so beautiful in a physical body before, you know, but they're like, what do you mean? I'm just really mad. I want a different job. And, you know, there's so much in the 3D, they can't break out of the intellectual control of the left brain. We came here and it was harder than we thought it would be. Right. It was harder than we thought it would be. A lot of us, and I really have a lot of sympathy and empathy for everybody, (laughs) you know, experiencing that because I couldn't have this conversation with you if I didn't die twice and have two other really remarkable experiences. Right. But, you know, so go to the Mandela effect, because when you were talking about that in an interview or conversation on that YouTube channel, And you were talking about the choices and then, you know, our soul will pick different, like, I mean, even just saying we're from the future, you know, and why I'm so intrigued with your information is like, does it resonate with me? And that's like, I'm from the future and Mm -hmm. I came back, right? Yes. I really feel that. Yeah. I have full body chills with you saying that. So by you saying that kind of gives me a little bit of a tiny bit closer to your energy field. And I just got the whole way up my body. So, you know, one of the things, if I may, this is kind of a soapbox moment for me. The first two years of my journey, remember how I said my experience in Australia was very revelatory? Yes. The first two years of my journey were a bunch of psychics and mediums telling me things. You were this, you were that, you have this problem, you have that problem. Information, information, information. And I'd go and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck just happened, but you know, <laughs> I just paid them 300 bucks, 500 bucks, you know, whatever. I don't know what any of this means. And then I would go home and I would be me and I would be frustrated and I would be angry and I would cry. And I had all these crazy things happening to me and nobody to talk to except people that I paid two, three, four, five, six hundred dollars oh, an hour right. hand over fist. And then even some of oh, them didn't know what to do with me. Right. So 
when I went to Australia, the Aboriginal woman explained to me that, well, you've never done anything with all the information you've been given. These, these relationships, these past life relationships, these victim-victimizer relationships, you're playing out these stories and these patterns over and over. So, for example, just a, as a, a case in point, I had a client the other day, actually a, a couple, a man and a woman. They were an animal client. And I said, for some reason, I'm supposed to get both you guys on the phone. I normally don't do two people at a time, but I'm really good at it. I can do multiple things at one time, but I feel like it doesn't honor any one soul. So I don't offer it as a service. Okay. But for this, right. I I was told, do this. So they get on the line and they're like, hey, yeah, we love you. You're great. You know, and I'm like, you guys have been married five times and there's a lot of stuff that needs to be unwound from those five marriages. And they're like, we know. And I go, you know, how can you know? Because it's screaming to me that you guys need to clear these lives. Oh, yeah. Psychic told us like three years ago. So my soapbox moment is. What is the point of all these people giving all this information? Right. What is the point of it? We're in this life. Right. We need to be present here. It is important to resolve those energies, but that's not entertaining that information that I have a spirit in my room. It just went, I don't know if you saw that. It's not for entertainment purposes. It's to put to use. It's to say, I forgive and ask to be forgiven for that lifetime with that person. If I was this person, And I need to reclaim my power, release emotions, judgments, or fears. This is the root of unforgiveness of self. I choose to let that go. But people spending a ton of money to find out, oh, I want to know if I'm Pleiadian or I'm Arcturian or I'm Syrian or I'm an Antarian or, you know, and what is the, what value does that bring? How does that help you heal? Heal. Most people are not using it to help heal. And then there's those few people, you don't have to know anything. You don't have to understand anything. Healing's all bullshit. Somebody's just going to magically come and wave a wand and uncover the magic. And you're just going (laughs) to be magically healed one day. And I call such bullshit on that, Ashley. Mm -hmm. You know, why would we why would our soul allow us to walk into a, a consciousness construct where we will do nothing but create harm for ourselves? Because we are expressing our consciousness at our lower chakras. And I heard a lovely woman who I respect and admire the other day say on national, a national program, right? we've been living from our lower chakras too much. And now we need to start living. And so we need to learn about our higher shot. And I'm, I'm just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Rather than explain to people that we need to become self-aware, find the resistance in our lower chakras so our soul can drive the bus and open the higher chakras when it's time, or we clear out the higher chakras possibly contemporaneously as we're healing the lower chakras. But to bypass it, to do what Eckhart Tolle says, will absolutely create a pain body and separate yourself from spirit right here at the brainstem, right where the soul communicates with the nervous system. You want to be blissed out. You are literally wasting your entire life. And if you just came here to have fun and be blissed out, more power to you. You're living your soul's greatest excitement. Good for you. Most of us, at least 250 million of us from the future, did not come here to be blissed out. Mm -hmm. We came here to... Hold the light 
and keep the fabric of this planet together so that right. humanity can evolve. Right. And the light can populate the deepest, darkest regions of all of us and reveal the light from within. And, you know, I'm minimizing and I'm, there's not enough. No, I'm sure you are. No. But self-awareness, self-responsibility, that is what gets us to express Christ consciousness or Christic consciousness at the sixth chakra. And People, remember before I was alluding to some of the Eastern philosophies that they say, you know, don't talk, go do a silent retreat. Don't talk about your visions. Don't talk about what you see. Don't talk about, in Zen Buddhism, it's expressly forbidden. You know, in Hmm. Sufism, oh, go use your abilities, you know, explore journey, right? And in indigenous cultures, only the shaman can do it. You know, because mm-hmm. all you little peons down there, none of you know what to do. So I'm going to heal. I'm going to be responsible for the health and well-being of everybody. And that's not where we're going as humanity. Where we're going as humanity is each and every one of us is the manifestation of the divine. We are going to be homo luminous beings if we choose that, if we choose that. And that takes a certain amount of self-awareness and self-responsibility. And you can't pay somebody five, ten, seventeen thousand dollars to activate your DNA, not unless you want to be taken over by AI. Your soul. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> your soul, when you are on your path, opens every door that you need to have opened for you. Yes. If you want to rely on Amen. technology then hello, hive mind species. It's happened before. And I am desperately trying to encourage away from the hive mind species outcome. And that means each and every person at some point, we are going to have to understand how being angry with our abuser or our grandfather or our mother serves nobody. Right. In fact, it, it, we are the ones imprisoning ourselves exactly. there and how the energy, the rules that are created, the energetic coping mechanisms, how we empower the dissociated, angry, rebellious parts of ourselves running the show behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. You know, <laughs> I did all that. I experienced all that. I've had all that. And we really need to become more self-aware and more self-responsible. And when we do it, the rising tide lifts all ships, so they say. Right. You know, and we can't control the outcome. That's above my pay grade. Creator, (laughs) you know, universal consciousness, galactic consciousness, the central sun, whomever is in charge of that, allow us to be positioned where our soul needs us to be positioned to carry out the greatest show in the universe right now. And that is the evolution of human consciousness. Wow. See, when you go on, you get, you get going, you just like, I need to sit here. I'm going to have to listen over and over, but you just, it's in you, you know, and you believe in it and you see it and you know it, it's a knowing in you. And when you say the awareness, you know, people need to be aware. See, my dogs are barking. They're sitting out going, okay, I know she's listening to me. <laughs> When you say like, we have to become aware and these, this couple that knows and they've gone to the psychics and they've, you know, they know they've had five past lives and they, they're not healing and they're just going for the entertainment thing. I mean, 
this awareness. I mean, I have the awareness. I mean, I live in this, like, I see it. I have my children. I, I teach classes where I can pull that out. And I see that. I mean, I'm, I haven't got your gifts yet. Well, I do, yes. but I haven't tapped those open right. yet. But when you see this uh, evolution and we're coming to the end, and I really want you to end with your big boom, when you see this evolution happening, especially you, and you're seeing these people and they're getting it and they're feeling the love and they're seeing their soul, like they, they connect to what they're supposed, their true, true, true self. What do you, like, I think what I want to come, I want you to tell me this. How do you tell people, become aware, do this, become aware. They don't have a meeting with you. They don't have a session with you. This is what you need to do. Right. Well, free videos on my website will help with that. There's, I've given it for free. And, you know, I tell every client every day, like three times a day, I have three clients a day. And I tell everybody, watch these videos. You'll use them forever. They're priceless. They, They will help you. And like once a week, somebody opens my video. So, you know, I don't know. So two things. One, the oneness that everybody talks about, about being all one, that happens at a gateway far above the head. That doesn't happen right here in this reality, in third density, or if you're in a fourth density reality right now. That knowing is when you are clearly connected to another part of you that is... um higher number density, right? Right. Uh, reality part of you. So above six, right? Is that how you describe yeah. that? Like in the law of one? Okay. Yeah. Well, the understanding, the Hindu perspective of monad and the mathematical and quantum physics and some disclosure, you know, whistleblower people talk about six density beings where everything is one and we're outside of time. That's six density. So there's a bit of, again, that's the sort of the spiritual bypass, the misunderstanding of, well, we're all one, nothing matters, what doesn't, you know, we can right. just do whatever we want. I want to give you an example. I was asked to, what does that look like? You're, you're asking me, what does it look like to me? I was asked about a year ago to come in and sort of guest lecture for this group of people in New Mexico that I was told super advanced souls, like 15 of them or somewhere between 15 and 20. And they got together, I think it was twice a month. And they did sort of group meditations and group healings. And, you know, their intention was sort of healing the world kind of stuff. And so they felt that they had stalled and they didn't know what was next. So they brought me in to lecture and sort of read the group and so the first thing I got was the very few people in this room are self-aware. So ask about that. So I turned to one person and I said, so how's it going grounding? Because I saw that in one of her feet, she couldn't bring earth energy up through her feet. So I said, how's it going grounding? What's happening for you? Oh, I go to ceremony once a month and I call on the ascended masters. And yeah, I ground all the time. Mm-hmm. And I said, you didn't answer my question. So what happens when you ground? What do you feel in your body? What do you see in your energy field? What's going on in every single one of your chakras when you're ground? What do you mean? So that's what I mean about being self-aware. Being aware of yourself as an energetic being and consciousness and what's happening. When you speak, what are you creating? When you bring earth energy up through your feet, where is it going? When you talk to different friends, a girlfriend of 20 years or a coworker, 
what happens to your energy? What's getting lit up? Where are you holding trauma in your body? Are we aware? That's what I'm talking about. Yes. So the woman didn't believe me. So I said, okay, well, I want to do an exercise for everybody in the room. Let's do an exercise. I want you to breathe and focus on your heart. And I want you to be present in your body because my perspective, and I'm saying this to the group, my perspective is we evolve. It's an inside job. We must come in. It's not going to happen from up here because the vessel, the vessel is the expression of the soul, right? So I said, scan, scan your field and find something that looks like it's ready to, it's, you don't need it anymore. (laughs) You know, just being very, very sort of simple and pedestrian. And sure enough, went around the circle. And at the very end, the woman goes, oh, yeah, I remember I was in first grade and some boy was running by me and his foot kicked my foot and I was wearing sandals and and he stubbed my toe really bad. So and the whole time she didn't believe a darn thing I said about the energy not flowing in her foot, you know, and she said, and I saw that and I saw how it was creating an imbalance in my foot. I said, exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Self-awareness. That's what I imagine. Mm -hmm. You know, no, I'm not suggesting we do it 24 hours a day in deference to our our lives and our our jobs and our families, but it can be done. And I think it's required. It's a requirement for if you want to be an ascended master or express, <laughs> be the manifestation of the ascended master. We, you know, some of us believe we are, I don't like necessarily that language, but a lot of people talk about that mm-hmm. and we need to be more self-aware. Right. Oh, I love it. Tell Okay. I mean, I, I could do for sure part two and part three probably with you, but as we end, so I definitely, you need to go to her website, heartofthehorse.us. There's also JennyJablonski.com. Right. And I'm launching a new podcast. Yes, a new podcast. I, I would love for, I'm so excited. I, w- I would love for you to come on because the podcast is called Interspecies Evolution. And what does that mean? From an anthropological perspective, it means when one species evolves, and we haven't seen much of that on Earth, but in animal communicators call themselves interspecies communicators. So I have sort of married, taken upon myself to marry the terminology and say that we as a species are evolving. And as we become more self-aware, we can then look at animal consciousness and evolve our partnership and our conscious relationships with animals. So it's all about that. The whole podcast is about bringing people on who want to promote and are excited about us as energetic beings, being more consciously aware of ourselves so that we can begin to honor animals as such. So I'm excited about that. That is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. Like you just keep moving, you know, it's like, you know, you you keep going because you know that you have more to share. You're like this light being that's just going to lead the trail, lead lead the path. (laughs) You know, I see that so much, but when I see your passion, you know, that's just what gets me. You know how many people I'm going to be sending this when I go to school to wait for my daughter. I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, you have to meet Jenny, but you got to go find her because you really speak to my soul. You really do. Amazing. Well, thank you. 
I want, okay, one more thing. So going to the animals, just because they're outside barking at me, you were talking about they evolve like we do. I'm ending on this note. I know people, I just have to talk about the dogs, but they evolve. Animals are evolving like we are. And when I had Aaron Abke on, he was taught, he talks about like the rock and then the grass and then the tree. And like, we all are, cause, and then some people I've had on, they're like, oh no, we're all souls and we'll never be a dog. Or how do you see that? I see that there was a time on earth where all animals were part of a collective soul. But as humans are evolving, animals are choosing to evolve as well from second density consciousness beings to third, fourth, and even fifth. I've met some dogs and horses who are unifying their consciousness experiences And I see them evolving to the place where in their next life, they will be a fifth density being. So some animals have souls that are what we would call human or humanoid souls. Some collective soul consciousness, they were not created to be as dynamic as, you know, human and other humanoid type beings. They were created as a collective consciousness so that it's a shared wisdom experience. Some of those souls had experiences in domestication with humanity and wanted to make free will choices to individuate, to become individuated, not individual in the universe, but and have an individuated experience as you and I are having individuated experiences. So these are the souls, not all souls of every animal, but these are the ones that would have past life issues if they hadn't, you know, cleared up any judgments remaining or unforgiveness in a past life. Some animals are humans trying to hide from their karma because they had such a horrific service to self experience in the land. They thought, oh, if I incarnate as an animal, I can totally bypass the whole karmic thing. And then they find out it sucks to be in a cat body or a horse body. And some souls are just innocent children that are lost and passed away. And they sort of float by an animal and sort of connect to the animal. And then when the animal dies, their souls are entangled. And then when the animal reincarnates in an animal body, they have that sort of lost human soul with them. I've seen it. I've seen so many versions of this. So if anybody says the universe only works one way, my gosh, please run the other way. Because that's just not true. And I'm not making this up. (laughs) You know, I have no reason to make it up. Believe me, I could happily spend the rest of my life sitting out in the pasture with my horses and not have to deal with the crazy people that think that I'm the crazy one, you know, and I (laughs) know that I'm not. Right. So it's very complicated. And as you can imagine, going through an ascension process on the planet or being at the end of a cycle, there's a lot of people who just kept kicking the can down the road. I'm on vacation earth, kicking the can down the road, kicking the can down the road. And this is the life they figured out that they would just deal with all their karmic consequence or what have you all at once. And I've heard more than one soul say, I think I bit off more than I could chew in in this one life. And it's true. But when we in our conscious understanding become aware that all karma is, is the result of judging ourselves, if we can just forgive and be in a, not just say, yeah, I forgive everybody, I'm done. Okay, let's go. Let's have dinner. 
right. I'm done. <laughs> it doesn't work <laughs> like that. <laughs> right. You know, so if we can, if we truly can feel into it, if you can feel it, if you can witness it and watch the energy release, then you're done. Then you're done yeah. with that one experience. Now, for me, I had millions of lifetimes to look at. You know, I'm an ancient, ancient, ancient soul who kept ascending out 17 times on earth. I ascended out of this reality and kept coming back, mostly on bodhisattva vows, which make no mistake, is a vow of martyring yourself. Wow. Yeah. Make no mistake. Oh, you're so fascinating. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Jenny. Loved meeting you. you. It was a pleasure. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, always look for the magic.